Hey, welcome to another episode of Anna McGarry Knows Everything, a show where I'm Anna McGarry, I know everything. Uh-oh. This week, I talk to one of my best friends, one of my favorite people in the whole freaking world, Curtis Brown, um, about the art of running. Hmm? I, I said at the beginning of this podcast when I was starting it, I wanted to ask, um, what's art? Is anything art? Maybe. We get into it. Because <laughs> right off the top I ask him, is this a cop-out? Did I just want to talk about running on my art podcast? Maybe. Depends how you look at it, man. So, Curtis and I grew up dancing together, we went to high school together, um, or dance partners always got paired together to do stuff because we were long lanky kids and I just I love him and he's the best and he is such uh, such a good man and a talent a talent so the art of running um Curtis is definitely a lot more experienced than I am. He's been running seriously for at least a year-ish, if not a bit longer, and a few months ago completed his first marathon. Yay! Awesome! Me, on the other hand, no, no, no. Um, I've just gotten more serious over the past, like, four months or so. Um, going home to Kentucky, I started running, like, two, three times a week, um, and I'm excited to get back into that once my two-week quarantine from traveling is lifted, which will be tomorrow. Yay! So, no matter what level you're at, there, there's no pretension here. There's no judgment. We, we think running's awesome. And if you, like, want to get into it, hey, what's up? Like, <laughs> let's hang out. Um, even if you're not interested in running, I think it's still an interesting discussion. We also get into some fun high school memes, some discussions of art in general, the intersections of running and art, what we get out of it as artists. (laughs) Um, Our kind of starting point was that we both really like Peter Sagal's book, The Incomplete Book of Running. Peter Sagal, NPR icon. If you're an NPR head, I mean, you gotta know. He's the host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR comedy news quiz show. I think that's their tagline. Anyway, so he wrote a book about running a little bit ago, a couple years ago. It's semi-recent. And it's just kind of a running memoir. I love a focused memoir. Don't try to do too much, too fast, and too few pages. It's only like... It's under 200 pages, I think maybe 180-something, so it's not a dense book. It just goes through his personal relationship with running throughout his life. He went hard when he was uh, in high school to the point where it was, like, unhealthy. Um, And I think he has a lot important to say about that because any quote-unquote self-improvement, physical activity, whatever can be taken to a dangerous degree. Anything can. But when you're doing something like running, uh, 
you may not always see it or other people may not see it that it is not coming from a good place it is ultimately to your detriment um so i thought that was a very strong point in his book he returns later to runnings kind of a midlife crisis i'm going through a difficult divorce i'm gonna die one day bah um and then like really gets into running and has done a bunch of marathons boston marathon multiple times and I just, I liked it. I thought it was a fun book. <laughs> what else, what else, what else? Oh, while we're talking about the radio, um, Curtis recently started doing his own little, his own little radio show. It's called Curtis Makes Good Playlist. So if you're in the Lexington area, you can definitely check it out. I don't know how the radio works well enough to tell you how to listen to it if you're somewhere else um but it's every wednesday morning 5 a.m to 7 a.m so early i know and it's just two hours of vibes and music man uh so if you're in the lex area you can go to 88.1 wrfl if you want to listen if you're not in the area and you're not getting up at 5 a.m I mean, who doesn't get up at 5 a.m.? Uh, Curtis also has made a Spotify playlist of just all the music that's going on there. So Curtis makes a good playlist. And I, I've started listening to it, haven't gotten through it all, because hours, hours of content, hours of curation, curation. But yeah, check it out. I just heard a kid scream. You think that's good? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I scream sometimes. Oh, I screamed this morning. I woke up and I said, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Someone once told me, I was like at the group of people and they were like, they were trying to tell us about how if you wake up in the morning and you say, Yes! <laughs> Then if you get in the habit of doing that, then you are uh, like, it's supposed to improve your quality of life. Uh-huh. And I never did. I never did it once. But um, <laughs> but we like were talking about it. It was like at a party or something. And like, it was like five people were together talking about this. And then we made a, a I guess it's a group on Snapchat. And we we're like, we're going to hold each other to this. So when you wake up tomorrow, record yourself saying yes, yes and send and send it to the group so everyone knows to do it but no one no one ever did it <laughs> or if they did they did it in private i love that i love just everyone starts off with high expectations and then everyone unanimously is like actually never mind we've all decided to drop the ball yeah well it's also like if you I mean, for the person who does it and films the video and sends it, I feel like for them, this this theory that this is going to improve their life, it might it might work for them. But for everyone else, they're they're going to be reminded to do it because of getting a Snapchat in the morning. And I think getting on Snapchat first thing in the morning defeats the purpose of because you're supposed to say yes first thing, <laughs> very very first thing. Like, open your eyes, say yes. <laughs> And I think just the act of recording it makes it not a personal thing anymore. 
yeah so maybe i'll i haven't thought about that in a while so maybe i'll give it another go i guess i kind of did that today some shouts to feel alive you know yeah yeah i i haven't been doing this as much now that i am living with other people but when i was living alone for the last three years i would i would yell a lot at like inanimate objects Mm. i got like another week in my apartment alone and i gotta scream yeah let it all out yeah there's a dance i was in last year i guess uh, a student choreography thing and there was so much like screaming and shouting in it and it was so cathartic it was so exciting and (laughs) my choreographer one of the dancers would just go up to the security desk and be like hey we're going to scream for like an hour. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And just every Friday, 4 p.m., we'd be like, we're going to shout and it's okay. <laughs> that would have been a good time for a murderer to come in. Oh, I thought about that. As soon as they're like, oh, we're going to go tell the security guards. I was like, but what if? <laughs> but what if? Yeah. The secu- Like the security guards sitting there with their headphones on, <laughs> re- reading a magazine. Yeah. Like we, we're, we're off duty tonight. Stanley was my security guard. I didn't mention that, but that is critical to the story. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. And I, I really missed it once, like, we performed the piece and it was over, because I, I didn't realize how much I needed that that screaming. <laughs> it works. Did you hear that? I did hear that. <laughs> it works. Hell yeah, my man. <laughs> <laughs> I should get more strangers on my podcast. You know how people love it when you come up to them? (laughs) Yes, they love it. And I say, can I have two hours of your time? (laughs) Yeah, I think they they would deeply enjoy that. I think so too. I should definitely get my neighbor's dog on the podcast because he always has a lot to say. (sighs) So this one, this episode... (laughs) We're going to talk about running, the art of running. And right off the top, I'd like to just put out there, is this a cop-out? Does this count as art? Did I just want to talk about running with, with my boy? Maybe- I, think it can, I think it can count as art. I'm sure there is a book called The Art of Running. I'm positive there's a book called The Art of Running. <laughs> I bet there are many. Yeah. Because, like, when you get down to it, what's art? A craft, an expression. Mm. Um, I, those are two words that just popped into my head, and I think running could be put into either of those categories. Mm-hmm. Art could be considered a practice. A, a practice. Style. Yeah. And can't our artistic elements of, like, shape, form, time rhythm can't we find those in anything true it's all about how you view it man it's about your intention and your perception i'm thinking when you brought up those artistic elements i'm had a flashback i think i learned those in like gym class in like pe (laughs) yeah (laughs) like not in like i I was in art school from like age nine until 
college, but I think I learned that in PE, not in an art class. Like I, I'm visualizing four posters <laughs> for each of for each of the things, and like they have lots of synonyms on them and activities that relate to time or form. Yeah, and you know, it was definitely like fourth or fifth grade, just in my science class. They're like, mm. we're also going to be learning about art. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and they're like, dance. Dance has like four components. And at that point, I'd been dancing for, you know, my whole life. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't even, I can't even tell you what they are. Your science teacher like gives you a breakthrough with dance. <laughs> they're like, dance can be summed up in these four words. And you're like, oh, it all makes sense now. Yeah, definitely like time, space, uh, like your location in space, and like the physical form. And then you got your levels, you got dynamics, you got tempo, baby. Ugh. And all of those can go into running. All of those can go into running. Are you going to run piano or fortissimo? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking mezzo, if we're being honest. <laughs> Mezzo. Pure mezzo. Yeah, true. Pure medium. <laughs> Pure medium. That's a, the um, band director in at our high school. I did, was not in the band, but I just remember hearing about this, that he never said mezzo piano or mezzo forte. It was just mezzo. He just had medium. He wants <laughs> you to play medium. Could you just play normal for a second, you idiots? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yep. I, you know, that piece of art, I forget who did it, but they just like put a urinal in a museum and signed it. And they're like, that's art, baby. <laughs> that's art, baby. I just think about that a lot. <laughs> I love it. And recently we got like banana taped to a wall and you're like, okay. <laughs> I think about the, um, and I don't, I also don't remember the, the name of the artist or, um, the specific color, but it was the artist that, you know, all of, all of their works centered around this one shade of blue. And then they, they threw the party and they like put some sort of drug in everyone's drink or food or whatever, so that they all peed the shade of blue. And that was their art. Have you heard of that? I've heard of like an all blue painting. I hadn't heard of this extra level. Well, which I think completes it. <laughs> yeah. And then there's egg plop. Is that the uh projectiling stuff out of your vagina? Yes. Okay. What if it wasn't and I just made that up and you're like, "Anna, that's so disgusting. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> no, you you knew where I was headed with that one. I remember that being a hot topic in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was fascinated with that for a, a while. Yeah. It's fascinating. I don't think I have that kind of power inside me. I think I'd have to train for it. Well, I think that I'm pretty sure that's how Eggplop was was born. Was I think she either was a midwife or had a midwife, but the midwife could not, like got stuck in traffic or something like didn't make it in time. And so she like birthed this child 
completely alone and was just so, and it maybe was an artist already, was mm-hmm. so amazed by the power of her loins and her birthing canal <laughs> and was like, I think I can make something of this more than the child that I brought into the world. Yeah, that's easy. And let me see if I can She's... make a profit on this. <laughs> yeah. So then she would like stand at great heights over a canvas and drop paint filled eggs so that they would baby so that they would and i love that i love discussions about pretentious art or does this even count as art because with anything it's just about how you look at it because like even the stupid blue paintings and egg plop woman it brings up so many related questions and such a like fertile point for discussion Good use of the word fertile I know. in regards to egg plop. <laughs> For a split second, I was like, should I not say fertile? Is that weird? And I was like, it's the perfect word here. <laughs> so, True. So, Curdy, what, what is running to you? What do you get out of it? Why do you do it? I guess there's the more physical kind of answer and then there's the more like emotional I, for the physical side when finding running I feel I sort of found the sport or the um, exercise activity that I feel I really was like built to do mm-hmm. um, I think especially being in a conservatory program where um, like personal physical fitness in addition to your dance classes and and other classes is like pretty much expected a a lot of my contemporaries Mm -hmm. of the of the male identifying variety found their like second home was the gym and they like found a love for lifting and strength training and really building these like giant manly physiques. Mm -hmm. And I like tried that, but it just, I honestly just was like not inspired to work at that. It was like boring, like hard, but like not uh, in a way that I excited me, not in a way that I was like, I, this is hard and I want to keep doing it because I'm getting something out of it. I just never really felt like I fit in, in like the gym culture. And that might be the activity itself, or it might be a million other unrelated things. But when running one, I found that I was like naturally pretty good at it. I did. It didn't take too long for me to get into it. I have like a, family background of of running and that like my dad as I was growing up ran some marathons and it was sort of like a thing he did my sister did like track and cross country but then also like I would go to these races or these run clubs that I would join and boom and <laughs> and I was um like 
surrounded by people that sort of fit like the same frame as me, but also people of all different sizes. But like, for me, I was like, it, I felt physically strong in the running community. And that's something that I did not feel at all in like the gym community. So that is what running gives me is like a feeling of health and strength. Um, and, and yeah. And then emotionally, and it's like, I don't know. I, I, I think that a- anyone can run if you need to, if you have to, if you're being chased, like <laughs> obviously there are limitations and stuff, but like running is something that we can, most people can do the practice of like making yourself do it and setting goals and meeting those goals. It's all mental and emotional. And so that's, what's sort of interesting to me is like, I feel it has given me a lot more self-discipline and it's helped me to like inspire myself, which is like a skill that's very useful in many arenas. Um, and to like, I, I like the solo aspect of it. I like being able to set a goal for myself and then work with myself to meet the goal. And like, no, no one else is a part of it. And so some days I will fail, but I'm not being, my failure is not being like exposed to the world. I have to deal with that on my own to see how I'm going to come at it the next day. And it's like, I, I like the, the individuality of it as well. So that I guess is what running is to me (laughs) in a lot of words. Yeah. I liked what you said about um, the self-discipline it takes. I found it's uh, a physical activity that I've been, it's easier for me to come back to because there are, it's easier to make those very clear goals. Um, and like in dance, which I've been doing for almost 20 years, uh, I'm like at that high level already where it's not like, I'm gonna get my pirouette today. It's not yeah. so straightforward like that. Whereas with running, I can be like, okay, I'm going to do these intervals. I wanna go this distance at this pace. And I have, I, I got like the stats and I love, I love some stats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I think in a way you could say with dance, you're always like, always need to remember the basics, always like work on that and never forget that, like that kind of thing. But with running, it's, I feel it's very true. Like no matter what level you're at, how like elite of a runner you are, it's you're still thinking mileage pace like you still have these same goals that will stick with you forever um which i yeah i sort of like that it's more it's a lot more cut and dry yeah cuz like my dance training at this point it's getting very intellectual very um what am i visualizing to achieve these movements mm mhm and like that is that's awesome it's exciting to be there it's an interesting space to 
like live in but it, it's very different less clear-cut for sure yeah and it, it is interesting I feel a lot of times for me running is completely not intellectual hmm. it's like what I do to escape from being overly intellectual overly in my head um like if i am feeling a lot of anxiety coming on sometimes going for a run is like the best thing to fix that and to clear my head um but then other times i do some of my like best thinking when i'm running for a longer distance um because there's like you're just, it's just you and your thoughts um and sometimes if I'm having trouble like figuring out how to navigate a situation that either has already happened or is upcoming that I'm stressing about, like sometimes when I'm running, I feel I unlock this new part of my brain that is just like can think so much clearer mm -hmm. than when I'm just sitting on the couch worrying about whatever. So, so it's interesting how I think running can be either or uh, it can be like completely freeing from your thoughts or um, help you access your thoughts in a, in a new way. I don't think those two things are so separate because it's, it's just a lot of you getting out of your own way. And then, then once you're out of your own way, you're busy, you're panting, you're running, you're sweating. Yeah there's so much space because so much of you is already occupied like all that surface level like oh no the prom you know you know how yep. we <laughs> stress about the prom um all the time i can't stop thinking about it <laughs> when i was home i found um the our prom shirt from senior year what what was our prom name senior year it was a weird oh do you remember i don't Oh, the senior oh, year one was weird. It was ugly. <laughs> you're talking about junior year, not your typical prom? I'm talking about not your typical prom. <laughs> <sighs> Which was a typical prom. It was I'll, as someone, prom. <laughs> As someone who attended five proms in my high school career, <laughs> I will tell you it, it was a typical prom. Oh, 100%. And I, because you were significant in planning that. And... We, yes, we but I was not significant in the naming. Okay. Um, but I remember that being a point where like, well, how is it not our typical prom? And I think yeah. before it happened, you're like, it's our typical prom. And we were like, all right. <laughs> well, that's, it was, we had the idea from the beginning that we didn't want to do a theme. We thought themes were limiting, dumb, rarely executed amazingly True. we thought let's spend our budget on getting a nicer venue that we don't really need to decorate with cheap decorations because it already looks nice mm -hmm. and we will pick a color scheme for our decorations and it'll just be prom and we can give it a name sure like <laughs> a night to remember or i don't that's the only one i can think of at the moment but <laughs> a basic prom name that does not indicate a specific theme that requires tacky decorations. Our teachers that were our sponsors of the junior class, they'll go unnamed. <laughs> they 
they loved the idea. And we were like, great. But then they also loved the idea of a hashtag because at that time, hashtags, I guess, were big. I mean, I guess they still are. I don't know. But they wanted a hashtag. And since our we came to we brought this crazy idea of a no theme prom to the table. <laughs> they thought that was the most atypical thing they'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. And they thought we needed a name that summed that up. And so that's that's where the hashtag came. And then I don't know, the t-shirt has like a little Monopoly man type figure on, like with a mustache and glasses. And like a mo- it's like a monocle and a mustache. And I just don't understand where that came from. And I also, I've done a lot of thinking on this since, since, the, since the prom night, but like prom <laughs> t-shirts are dumb. I would rather the price of prom be cheaper than pay for a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Because like I found all these prom t-shirts and I'm like, this, I mean, it's a funny memory. It's obviously brought back a lot of memories <laughs> It's fodder for conversation. However, I don't think I would want to wear my not your typical prom t-shirt or any of the other four prom t-shirts I received in my high school career um, post, post prom. And then there was always people who wore their t-shirt like the Monday after prom to school. Yeah. And I think that was sort of a lame move. It was a very lame move. Yeah, no, I'm so it sets it sets people up. <laughs> yeah, it se- it sets people up for for social failure too. Giving out these t-shirts. Yeah, even giving them the opportunity. Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> Yep. You know, I wore mine on like a Zoom trivia night with my friends, mm-hmm. and it was basically all college people except for Abby Gar, our girl, and she was like, "Are you wearing your prom shirt?" And I was like, "Yes." And then I got done <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I think, yeah, I just think prom was like sort of expensive. I think you could have cut the price by eliminating the t-shirt. And I don't think people would have been too mad. No, I don't even know where my senior prom t-shirt went. I know the theme was just like a fancy word for gold. For gold. And we were like, was it none of we all we just didn't know what the word something and we're like i don't know yeah. what that is <laughs> no one knew what the word was how to pronounce it but that was sort of the same kind of idea i guess that's sort of what maybe i maybe they perfected what i wanted to go for with the junior year prom mm-hmm. but i would have picked a name that was a little more um easy to understand yeah they it did add a level of mystique to the event but wouldn't you say that not your typical prom had a lot of mystique? <laughs> I feel like the hype. Asking questions. I wouldn't say the hype was, was high. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you made a call. You were like, what's not typical? Like, are you going to give people like give half the people like um, not the right address and then they have to like find the prom <laughs> or I remember that. I feel like we had many conversations about it in the back hallway of the dance studio. Uh, to be young and shady with you in the back hallway of the dance studio. <laughs> I've had, I've seen um, our girl Courtney a couple times since being home. And I 
I'm always like reminded and laughing about we got in so many arguments in the back hallway because <laughs> we were just both so stubborn about so many stupid things. <laughs> Speaking of local mystique, do you remember the <laughs> year, the few months in Lexington where there were a million posters and bumper stickers that were like find out what it is soon and I was like huh do you remember that I actually do not oh I thought you were gonna there was like all the scarecrow stuff do you remember that no (laughs) Mm. it was like stickers and stuff for scarecrows and I think it was a political I looked it up it was like a political thing oh see my thing it was just so much advertising. Uh, find out what it is. It was either find out what it is or like, it was like Q, find out what Q is, which has a very different meaning nowadays with QAnon and all mm-hmm. that. But so I'd been seeing all this mystery Q stuff and I was like, well, I really wonder what it is. And then months I, later, it was the Q. <laughs> I do. I, yeah, I remember this <laughs> now. Yeah. I'd say it's always a bet. It's always a pretty safe bet to just say it's a mega. It's going to be a mega church. It's going to be a hip church. Hashtag not your typical church. Hashtag not your. T- All right, gonna have to write that one down. <laughs> save save that idea for a rainy day. Uh, and I went once with Courtney, and to Q Church. Yeah, I went to Q Church once for Easter. <laughs> Well, of course. Of course. What other day would I go? And I remember they shuffled all the kids off into this one room. Um, and we watched a video of a man painting an orangutan, but upside down. So you're like, I don't know what it is. And then he, he turns it right side up. And you're like, it was an orangutan. And I don't know if that was related mm. to Easter or the Bible in any way. But that's what I remember. Um, the summer that I was a professional dancer for the Miss Kentucky pageant. <laughs> um, one of the girl's talent was that she did the same sort of thing. She painted upside down and then flipped it at the last second. And it was Jesus. <gasps> so that, that would have been more appropriate for Q church. That would have been more and appropriate. It was actually really, I mean, I thought it was cool because it was very dramatic. She played like a, some sort of, Christian song that was very dramatic and she was painting with these huge strokes and then she flipped it. But a lot of people did not, could not tell what it was because it was sort of an abstract painting. Mm -hmm. But I like, it was one of those that if I had just seen the painting alone, I maybe would not be able to tell what it was, but because I was like, was listening to the lyrics of the song and I saw it like I saw it at the where they do their talent the first time and then they do it for the finals or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I I got it by the end. But a lot of people were like, I don't know what that I don't know what that was. She didn't win. <laughs> no one ever wins, but there are very specific talents that never win. <laughs> yeah. I love I was gonna say I love going to pageants, which isn't true. I do not like them. But I've been to a few in my day. Um, and you know when you can tell the girl was like, I really want to do this pageant. And then like two weeks before, she's like, I don't have any talents. Yes. I think that's so exciting to see what they come up with. 
it made me really excited. I like was I went back to school that fall and was sort of trying to get a few of my classmates to consider like going out for Miss Ohio mm-hmm. because I was like this, this it's exactly this it's like these girls want to be Miss Kentucky Miss Ohio Miss whatever and then they have to figure out what the talent is as an afterthought mm-hmm. that really is like the thing I mean they do other things as well but, but all the other things everyone's pretty equally good at there's not like I feel like the talent is what really, and it might be just because I am an arts oriented person mm-hmm. as are you. And that's what we value higher than the other things. Maybe that's it. But in my estimation from watching these talents and watching these pageants is like, everyone's pretty like, okay at everything, but the talent is where you really see people shine or fail. So I'm like, what if we did the opposite approach and took these people who are, very talented and that you could groom to be good at the other things, which are more normal life skills. <laughs> I think that's the key. Like get someone who is an amazing dancer or an amazing singer and is like, has a fun personality and like coach them to be maybe a little more poised in their answering of the questions. And then like be able to walk around. I think that, I think that is maybe the approach. So also writing down for a rainy day pageant coaching. I guess I just don't see pageant um, scouting. Actually. Ooh. I think I, I, I don't know if I want to actually do the coaching, but I might scout for the talent. Yeah. Just pageants have never made sense to me in recent no. years. They've distanced themselves from like, are you hot or not? Prove it, which is good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause the fact, I that think they've distanced ever a part of it ridiculous yeah yeah <laughs> but still, i do remember oh go on okay if you're looking for like a smart poised woman to like represent the county the state whatever who like has a strong charity something she's really passionate about and she can speak and inspire like young kids and young women like, why does it matter if she can tap dance or not? I don't understand how those things are related, you know? <laughs> that is really true. Yeah, I, it's just a very specific person they're looking for. And I, I don't know yeah. why. I guess that, I mean, yeah, I guess that really the, the talent really is just for show, as was the swimsuit portion. Mm-hmm. And I, it, like, it makes the, it more fun to watch. Like, no one wants to watch... 30 smart women do an interview you know yeah but yeah i think the the talent really is just performative maybe if the person's like mission their their charity whatever is arts oriented it might come more into play but most of them are not Mm -hmm. so yeah maybe they really it just needs a complete overhaul or just be over just an over I just don't understand what they're looking for. And if, cause I think I know what they're looking for, but I don't understand yeah. how competition is supposed to do that. Yeah. I feel like there are, there are already competitions out there for each of the specific categories. So it's just sort of weird. Yeah. That one person has to do it all. 
-hmm. unrealistic. (laughs) Not everyone can be an elite runner like you and I. I know, right? And that's something I think about a lot, that we are (laughs) exactly the same skill level. Um, Yeah. Because, like, you did a marathon recently. Um, Me, well, I haven't been outside in in two weeks because I'm not allowed by the state of New York. Um, yeah. But before that, I, I can I can run two miles in like 20 minutes. So we're pretty much equals, I'd say. <laughs> I'd say so. And that, that's the thing too that is cr- that I like about running is that there are these goals and there are these distances, but they're all so personal and like, you're really just going against yourself because Mm -hmm. to many of my friends, like at school, especially I was like the only person who like was a sort of a long distance runner. And this whole last year, the first, my whole senior year of college, like first semester, I was sort of getting into it more seriously, started training for a half marathon, did that. And then the second semester I was training for a marathon. So like it, quickly became like everyone knew that's like what I did and it became a thing and to everyone it was the most impressive thing they'd ever like they're like I could never do that but then through like running clubs and stuff like that I was meeting these people who like literally just wake up and run a marathon for fun like and it's not about signing up for a race or anything they just do it in their neighborhood yeah as as exercise or they don't run marathon distances but they can run like six minute miles consistently right i have one friend who truly is like an elite runner he was in the olympic uh trials this year oh wow he runs he runs marathons at a six minute like 15 second pace like uh so it's there so me i'm like i could never do that so it's it is very humbling i think because there are always there are people who love it at all levels mm-hmm. and all levels are like awesome all levels are encouraged and i mean it's just such a great thing fitness wise to do no matter what the speed the distance it's like there are a few things that you like get you going as much as a run yeah and, and just wow. even the act of getting out the door like that is admirable and that's that's what I remind myself every time I go on a run. Whenever like it gets hard, I'm like, okay, the hardest part is over because the hardest part is getting dressed and making yourself start. And whatever comes after that, that's awesome. You did something. Yeah. I concur. I also, <laughs> I was thinking today though, I would be like remiss to, to say, because I think for a lot of people, there, there's an idea or I'd be remiss not to say, I guess, but there's like an idea that anyone can like running's for everyone. Like you don't need, all you need is a pair of shoes like that. And that is true for a lot of people, but like, I think my running experience is, can be like, there's a lot of privilege in that too, because like, I am a man. I'm not afraid to go on a run like after dark. I'm not afraid to run like in pretty much like any area. And I know like a lot of my girlfriends 
would love to start running, but are afraid to do it at certain times or in certain places and maybe have been like, I don't know, have been stopped from doing it because of that. Um, mm-hmm. like I was just talking to someone about that last night. Cause I was saying that I love to do that. And she was like, yeah, but I, I like running, but with my work schedule, like I can only do it like in the evening and I don't feel safe doing that. And that's something that I haven't had to think about too, too much in my running experience. And I don't really know. I mean, other than just like people becoming not bad, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the best solution to that is. Um, but like, I wish that that was different. I would, I just wish that was different. Yeah. Yeah. Even when I was, uh, like home in Kentucky running in my neighborhood, I felt safe there going out at night. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm in the chill suburbs. I very much know where I am. I'm like doing a lot of laps around courts and stuff. So I can always get home quickly. So I would go out at night, but that's never something I would do in New York. And yeah. even when I was like out at night in Kentucky, like people's people I passed and cars that passed me still made me feel unsafe. Like one time a car came to a full stop in front of me Oof. and then like zoomed off. And I was like, I hate this. Cause I was like, Oh, well, I'll be out here for the next half hour. I'm enjoying my running, walking. And then I was like, you've ruined it. Now I don't feel safe anymore. And I have to go home. Yeah. It's the most frustrating thing to, for me to have to change my life, not do what I want because some person has made it unsafe for me. Yeah. Well, and then there's also just like the, like catcalling or being like sexualized. Oh yeah. I've been catcalled a ton. And I, that... <laughs> so I was like, oh, I only get catcalled in New York, but it's cause I'm like always on foot in New York and I'm really on foot in Kentucky. And then yeah. as soon as I was running around, I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. And so, so it's, yeah, I don't, there is like a safety, I would say to being indoors and being in the gym oh yeah from s- some of that that the str- that the like the streets and the who whatever is out there probably does not provide um so that's like for me a lot of times i feel like i can just like go on a run and like disconnect from everything around me but like i know that that is a privileged statement because mm-hmm for you, for anyone, for a lot of people, it's like, you can't fully disconnect because that's not safe. Yeah. I don't know if I can, if I've ever been alone, uh, with my guard fully down. Like, I don't think I've done that. (laughs) I don't think I can. And it's, and I mean, it's not safe. Like when you're running your, your, um, brain and your thoughts are already so like streamlined like you're already focusing on so much else going on with your body that like you need to use that little bit of mental capacity that is still going um to to keep you safe and you can't so so yeah but maybe maybe one day anyone can run at any time yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. 
Um, because I have been stuck inside, I and I like wanted to keep running. Um, well, first I tried pacing around my apartment, which just kind of made me feel like I was losing my mind because yeah, my apartment is very small and it's hot. Uh, and then I took one day where I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna jog in place for a really long time. So I found this lady on YouTube who's like, I'm going to jog in place with you for 30 minutes. And it was just me and Paula. (laughs) And we just jogged in place. And let me tell you, my calves have never been so sore. For the next week, I can't flex my feet or straighten my legs. Well, maybe (laughs) maybe I should try jogging with Paula. Honestly, Paula B was pretty fun. It's P-A-H-L-A. Don't ask me Hmm. why. And she's like an older lady. When you like click on her YouTube channel, the video that starts automatically playing is like, how to love your body after menopause. And I'm like, I am the demographic for this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, okay. Didn't know I was signing up for this, but I'm in. Yeah. And she's, and she just like chats with you the whole time. So you're not like super focused on the running or the Mm -hmm. sweating in your attic apartment. (laughs) That is something for me, why I can enjoy running that I know I've talked to a lot of people who don't have this experience at all, which is I love running with someone else because, and I love talking like the entire time. I like listening too, but a lot of people for what, like for whatever reason, and I think it might be because I have been singing and have been in choirs and have been working on my breath and breath control my whole life. That might be part of it, but I don't have too much trouble talking while running. And a lot of people do have trouble with that. So they're fine to just listen. And when you're running pretty much, um, Peter Sagal talks about this in his book. Like any topic is interesting when you're running (laughs) because anything to get your mind off how physically tiring what you're doing is, is interesting. And so I like running with people because then I just talk the whole time and then I like, it's over. And, um, and I can distract myself. So that is one thing that I, I, that is when I'm at my best is when I'm running with someone else. Um, for sure. I want to do that so badly, but, um, I mean, I really like I've run on and off since like middle of high school. Um, but, like, I really kicked it up a notch where I was doing – I was running, like, two, three times a week for the past few months while I was home. Uh-huh. And it's not like I can really procure an in-person running buddy in the middle of the pandemic, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I thought about, like, trying to organize where maybe, like, Abby and I, because she's, like, getting into running, too, uh, will, like, talk on the phone as we do it. Mm-hmm. I haven't done it, but I, I've thought about it. <laughs> yeah, I have done. I have had a phone call while running before, and it was it was all right. But I like called my friend today, and she answered while running, and she was like gasping for air. And I was like, "Uh, well, she lives in Georgia, so it's like extremely hot and humid still." And I was like, "Do you want me to call you back later?" And she's like, "Yes, please." <laughs> so it definitely can work. I don't know if it always works. Um, But that's, I mean, I think for me, finding, and this is obviously not 
completely possible during the pandemic, but finding running groups and running clubs like that. And it's, it's crazy. Cause like, I like this sport art exercise practice craft because of the solidarity and the, um, how personal it is. But I also like sharing that personal experience with other people. Um, even if you don't run with other people, like I, I'm, when I was in Cincinnati and here, I like go to all the brewery running clubs and they're always just like once a week and you show up and you run sort of however long you want. And sometimes you like meet up with a friend and do it. Sometimes you do it alone. But then afterwards, everyone just sort of hangs around and they're all sweaty and you like get a free beer. And like, that's like my prime. That is what I love. And that's where I found that's those sort of situations is where I was like, Oh, I like feel so like accepted by this group. I really like these people I'm meeting. I'm meeting so many different kinds of people. Um, and I think maybe that's what drew me to it as well. Cause like being an artist going to art school, everyone, everyone I really know has like the same sort of hobbies and, and passions. So to meet people from all walks of life who share a passion that's, that's different from the arts, Mm -hmm. a little bit that, that was exciting to me. Um, and that I think only amplified the feeling of like release and, um, like sort of something to do on the side. Um, that, for me that that running already did. Yeah, I noticed Peter Sagel talks a lot about the importance of like getting in a group, getting people to run with. Um, and the more I talked about it, I was like, I would love to. Not a great time right now. Yeah. But at least like I'm in New York, big city. Like I know that will be there for me one day. Yeah. So that's but good. yeah, but, but right now. Yeah, and that's how much he talked about how it helps keep, um, how it helps hold yourself accountable. Because if you're like, oh, I feel like shit, I don't really want to go run this morning. You're like, I'm letting Dave down. You're like, I can't leave Dave hanging. Like, yeah. Dave needs me. Like, Dave and I are in this together. Yeah, making the plan that, like, you have to meet someone mm-hmm. and it's a scheduled thing, not just that sometimes helps. Um, I, I think it always helps. It's, and so I'm a big fan of it for that reason, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think for me at the beginning of the pandemic, running really was like my saving grace because I was scheduled to run the Long Island Marathon on like the first weekend of May. Uh-huh. And that I'd been working to that training. It was like a, I think 18 week training. So I was like two months in about halfway when shutdowns began and Mm. the race like went virtual and I had the option to like defer. I'd already paid for it and I could either like defer it for the next year when like, hopefully I would be there and the, state of the world would be so that it could happen as planned 
or I could just do it virtually. And since I'd already been training for like two months and it had really become a part of what I was doing, I was like, oh, I'll just keep training. And I'm so glad I did because that for the first two months of pandemic, I, I feel like my life, I, I felt like my life had not completely been put on pause because mm -hmm. by that point I was running almost every day on the weekends. I was running really long distances and taking like two or three hours where I was r just running and then spending the rest of the day, like pretty much doing nothing. Cause I was so exhausted. Uh -huh. And so it was taking up so much of my life and my brain space and that didn't have to stop. And where so much, pretty much everything else in my life and your life and everyone else's lives did have to stop that for me, didn't have to. And so that was great for me for the first two months to really feel like something that I had been working on still was able to keep going. Um, and it wasn't until after my marathon that like, I feel like I truly allowed myself to come to grips with what everything else was at, like what, what else was happening, what else I no longer could do. Yeah. Um, which that was hard. And, and I like read about it and apparently, I mean, it's sort of a thing they call it post marathon blues. Um, but I definitely, which whenever I bring it up to my family, they all laugh at me. Cause like, I definitely <laughs> was in a sort of dark place for like a couple weeks after. And I think that it's, that is a normal thing that happens to runners, especially if it's like your first time training, because for four months I had like dedicated my life to this goal. And then I did the goal and then, and then what, like, what do you do now? And so I already had that sort of to deal with, but then also like it was, I especially was like, what do I do now? Because I don't have a job to go to. I don't have school to go to. I can't go outside really like what, or I can't really leave the house. Mm -hmm. So it, that was like the first time that I really had to come to grips with all of that. Um, and so, and it took me a really long time to find motivation again, to want to run. Um, but I think I've, I think I'm finding it again, which is, which is cool because I didn't want to have to, I didn't want to start training for something again, only for it to be virtual. Yeah. But then it's like, well, why, why are you running? Why do you want to do this? those things can still exist outside of races and r running clubs and groups and stuff, but it's harder to find on your own. Yeah. Um, there still is that like internal driving force and like all that internal personal stuff you get out of it. So it's not just like I run cause I want to do a race, mm -hmm. but when all that external like validation reward system is gone, it's hard. <laughs> Definitely. But I'm like, so I am so excited to do a race again one day. I actually was running on Saturday morning, sort of out in the country. And then all of a sudden, this mega church, not Q church, unfortunately, but <laughs> another one was somehow having a 5K, which I didn't really, I don't know if it, because it's a church, they're allowed to do whatever they want that legally. That surprise me. <laughs> But all of a sudden, this 5K was... I mean, there's only like 50 people doing it. Uh 
but I was sort of running like on the edges of it. Like I did not want to get near all these huffing and puffing people. Yeah. But I had to like, we were on the same road and I had to get back to my car. (laughs) So I like sort of ran in the grass alongside this 5k, but even that, which was, I was not at all a part of, like I lifted my spirits. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to do this again. Cause it is so fun. I mean, it's the same reason I think a lot of times it is similar to the arts because you get, it's so interpersonal. You, you get so much out of it for you and you're expressing yourself, but doing it with others is like heightens that. Mm -hmm. And that's why we dance in companies. And that's why we want to be in plays and take classes together um, cause you can do all those things alone and there is something to be said and something to be found for doing it alone, but doing it together as a group is like, I think that's what like elevates us as a species is like that we, that we can come together and create together and be in like, think the same thoughts together. And like, I, it's, it's true in running and in dance and in theater and art. So so yeah, so I think it's no surprise that you and I are both wanting to explore this a little more. Yeah, I've only done one race ever. It was a 5K in Lexington a few years ago, but I mean, I really liked it. I had fun. I didn't really train for it that well, but it was still nice. Yeah. And it was still I'm, nice. It was still nice. And now that I'm like taking it more seriously... And I've decided this is something I actually want to get good at. Like, I, I want to do a race. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's and... exciting for me to, like, see market improvement in running. Because I, I think it's something for a lot of people. You think, like, oh, I could never. And, like, it's hard. Like, <laughs> I'm, I can now run, like, two miles at a, at a clip that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. That's not easy, um, but it's nice for me to be much better at something I thought was not within the range of possibility for me. Yeah, and I think that that's sort of what got me started wanting to train for the longer races was because I, last October, it's like almost a year ago, signed up for a 10K. Mm-hmm. I had done a 10K once in my life and I tra- and I had trained for it and I spent like the beginning part of the summer running almost every day to train to do six miles. I'd never done it before and I did it. And, but then I like didn't run for like over a year, uh-huh. um, hardly. And then I had this, this race came up and I knew some people doing it and there was a 5k option or a 10k option. And I was like, Oh, I- I've done a 10k before I probably could do it. So I signed up for the 10k and it ended up being a, like a loop course. So one loop was the 5k. And if you were just doing the 5k, then you got to finish. But if you were doing 10k, you had to do the whole loop again. And I was like, not doing well. I had not trained, <laughs> but this, and there was barely anyone there. So like it was out basically in a park. There was maybe 50 people doing the race, but there was this old man who was in front of me and he kept going. I, I thought about quitting and only doing the 5k part 
And then this old man who I'd been following this whole time for like 30 minutes, he kept going. So I was like, okay, well, if he's going, then I have to go. So I followed him and it was hard and it was terrible. And I was not trained. So like, I definitely was very sore afterwards, but I finished and I was like, if I can do that really without training, which wasn't smart, but if I physically was able to do that, just imagine what I could do if I mentally started planning and training and doing this a little by little every day. Mm -hmm. And so it was like that day that I was like, well, a half marathon is like only like double this and a little extra. I was like, <laughs> if I give double it double six miles, okay. I, if I give it a few months, literally a two months, it was eight weeks. I was like, if I give it eight weeks, I think I could and follow a plan and really stick to the plan. I think I can do it. So I looked up, I found a half marathon. I found a training plan and I knew when the deadline was where the price was going to increase for the half marathon. So it was like two weeks away. So I was like, okay, if I stick to this training plan for the next two weeks without fault, then I'm committed enough that I will pay the $40 to do it. And then I will feel committed because I've paid $40 to do it. Yeah. And I did it. And for me, that worked out. And feeling like a little bit of responsibility and also giving myself this, like the smaller goal of like, I'm giving myself two weeks to see if I can stick to a plan without coming up with excuses to, to veer from it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of, was my journey. And then like, I, I did stick to the plan and I was trained and my half marathon went very well. And I like, I feel that I trained like, um, like right up to the right amount. I was like, obviously tired afterwards, but I like, wasn't injured. I wasn't sore. And I was like, okay, this works. The training works. It can be done well. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do more. I don't think I will ever want to do more than a marathon, but I finished my marathon being like, okay, I'm excited to do it again and it'd be easier or my time be a little faster. Um, and now like I'm sort of working towards that again. So it's like, I mean, it took a while for me to find the motivation cause it was like, it took it out of me. But, um, but I think that's what I like about it is like challenging, but it's back to what I said at the beginning. It's just like, you're challenging yourself to be your best version of you and you're not competing against other people per se. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to bring up here that it is always okay to not meet your goals. That's Definitely. Fine. That is gonna happen. And it doesn't mean you suck. It doesn't mean you should quit. Like if you are like, I'm going to run today and I'm going to do 35 miles and you get like one, and then you're like, I need to stop right now. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> that is definitely okay. And that happens to me quite a bit. I mean, especially after doing my marathon, I wanted to, I was like, this is who I am. I'm a runner. I need to, I need to get back into it as soon as I can. And it took like, I was like only able to run a mile and I felt all the motivation out of me. I felt physically tired. And I was like, what? I, a week ago, I ran 
26.2 miles and now I can only run a mile. Like this isn't me. This isn't you. But like that it happens and it happens a lot. And that's just part of the journey. And I feel like being able to accept that that is okay. Mm-hmm. And ex- have that accepting, uh, have that like to have that. And then also still want to try another day is like what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And knowing that some days it's just going to be harder and it just is, you're going to feel like you're a gargoyle and your legs are the heaviest thing in the world. And that's just how it is. It is and, what it is. <laughs> and it's very important in any kind of physical activity um, to know when to stop and what sensations you're feeling what's painful and like what's muscle soreness and what's like oh my knee's gonna fly off yes that that's very true and that's like when I first set out to want to train for a marathon the guy at the local shoe store I was talking to and he was like okay for this your first marathon he said, you don't need any type of time goal, pace goal. He said, mm-hmm. if you end up liking this and you want to do more, that can be for a later date. He said, the only thing we need to worry about is that you cross the finish line standing up, injury-free, <laughs> with a smile on your face, and you want to do it again. And that was sort of the yeah, attitude I tried to go – Obviously, I had to like pick some sort of a time goal in order to find a plan because they all have that. But that's the great thing like out uh-huh. there. There are all of these plans for free and they have articles attached to them that are like, before you do this plan, you should be able to run like one mile at this pace. You should be able to run for like 30 minutes without stopping already and like things like so that if you do want to go for one of them, you have smaller goals to make sure you can do beforehand. Um, but I thought having that attitude going into the marathon, but just into any physical endeavor that like the goal is just to do it and to, to better yourself by doing it and not harm yourself. Um, I thought that was a, a great way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I know you have to leave soon. I have to run, yeah. (laughs) So, so let's do our little, let's start wrapping up. Um, I end each episode with having uh, me and my guest, like, pick some art thing they like that they want to give a shout out to. It can be song, musician, your friend from college who's awesome a painting, whatever. Um, so I'll okay. start. I just finished the book Purple Hibiscus by, I looked up her name once years ago to learn how to pronounce it, and I think I know it, by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. I'm pretty sure it's how you say your name. It's close. She also wrote uh, mm-hmm. Americana. If you've heard of that, that was a very like buzzy, popular book in the past few years. Uh, 
and I just think it's a wonderful book. It's like about 300 pages. It's her first novel. It's all about um, this young girl, teenager, uh, and her life. It's all set in Nigeria. So you got her relationship with her like intense, really religious, abusive father and her family dynamic. And then like she goes and spends some time with her aunt and cousins and just negotiating growing up and when to listen to adults and when to like question uh, your family and authority. I, I thought it was a very wonderful book and I would super recommend it. Ooh. I'll have to give it a try. Yeah. Also, Americana is the first book I read of hers. It's amazing. So good. All right. I <laughs> I recently, I think last week, watched a documentary. I've been watching many documentaries that are sort of music-based recently. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, like, watched one and then Netflix or whatever, might be Amazon, I don't know, keeps, like, suggesting more and they all sound interesting but i watched one i think it is called 20 feet from stardom but it's about mm. backup backup vocalists for major like pop stars and rock stars and sort of the history of of the term backup vocalist and how traditionally it was like a white man with three white women singing do bop bop uh-huh. in the background <laughs> and then how it pretty much like overnight became a white man with three women of color singing and how then that became the standard for so long and how that gave a lot of women of color opportunity but also how it sort of put them in a box and how mm. a lot of them sort of got screwed over by recording like managers and um, like studios and stuff like that. And then how it went psychologically into how like some of them want more and w- spend a whole career trying to become the like front person of the group and some succeed and some don't. And then how some of them like they, emotionally like the the spot of being the backup and how there are things that they get from being part of that ensemble and supportive role that they don't think they would get if they were out front it's just it was a really interesting interesting film and i'm i'm pretty sure it was nominated for like lots of awards but but it was interesting it was like a cool look into something that is often overlooked and how complicated it, the history of it really is um, and how much like insane talent there is in that, in that arena. Um, but yeah, that is something that, something that I was inspired by recently. Nice. And you said that's I on believe Netflix? it's Netflix. Yeah. Awesome. So just any closing thoughts, advice to, runners just starting yeah any advice to people trying to get into running myself included. i would say one thing that has helped both of us was peter sagel's book um the incomplete book of running guide to running yep um incomplete yeah that one is just a really interesting read 
Um, but I think that really inspired me. I listened to that when I was training for my first longer race. But then I think for me, obviously this is complicated during a pandemic and we need to be responsible and smart and healthy and keep each other healthy. But when it is available, running in pairs, running in groups, joining clubs, that helped me. Find if you are wanting to train for something, a goal, a race, whatever it is, there are so many resources online and finding a plan that you can stick to. Mm-hmm. And it, combining the last two things, finding a plan you can stick to and finding a buddy that w- goes through the plan with you, I think that might be yeah. um, really helpful. And that's something that you could do together in person or you could do on your own and just keep each other informed on your progress. But someone that you trust and can go through the process with you and you can share your failures and your successes together that's really helpful. So totally. I think those would be, those would be my tips. Read that book, mm-hmm. set goals for yourself that are specific and use all of the resources attainable. on, and, yeah, <laughs> and attainable and use all the resources, um, that you can find, um, to, to aid you in, in, um, planning and training to accomplish those goals. And yeah. And when you are training, it's it's okay to like repeat a week or repeat multiple weeks. If you're like, this is still really hard for me. I'm not ready to move on. Trust yourself. You don't have to follow like this person on Instagram. That's fine. Yes. <laughs> and like, enjoy if hopefully you are able to go outside. That's one thing that I didn't mention at all. I like cannot run half a mile on a treadmill. I, it, I, I am so <laughs> bored by doing that. And I have friends I have one friend who like doesn't run outside, but she runs like eight miles on a treadmill. Like me, mm-hmm. I also music doesn't really do it for me while I'm running, which is interesting as someone who is very musical. I listen to audiobooks, mm-hmm. I listen to NPR. I talk to friends, but like, those are other, those are other things. So like the typical, it doesn't have to be what you do. It's whatever works for you. And be um, keenly aware of what is working for you and repeat that and things that aren't working for you, throw them out. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say. That's what I did say. I was kind of hoping the car horn would come back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the word. Um... <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me, Curry. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and the secret to running is honk. <laughs> <laughs>